You're listening to Unite Unite 2011 with Genevieve Akel. I know it's an important time at school because you start like making decisions for your life and I I know there's a lot of pressure at school as well. My sister Gabs was telling me the other day we were talking on the phone about she was deciding like okay, everyone's deciding their careers at school and um I remember this as well when I was at school and there's like three people in her whole grade that are going into something to do with the arts, you know? And she was like everyone was like so gabs what are you going to be doing she's like I think I'm I think I want to get into acting and everyone was like that is absolutely ridiculous you have you have straight A's why aren't you going into med school like you can be making some you can be making some top dollar you know what the hell are you wasting your time for and i remember that at school as well like it was a joke like drama and the arts it's it's become this sort of thing in culture that is infiltrated into our schools and into our mindsets and that's not This is the cool thing about life is that I know when you're young and I remember when I started to think for myself you think your dad or your grandpa is always going well that's just the way it is kids that's the way it is you know and and you start when you start unlocking things in the world you start realizing that that's not the way it is that these presets and culture that what people expect of you are not necessarily the best things for you you know and they're not necessarily what God expects for you either you know and I I sh- I was chatting to I met this dude the other day and super creative guy like just from the way he is like his perception on life just the way he dresses and I when I said to him hey what do you what do you do for a living bro and I thought I honestly thought he was going to go I'm into design or illustration or something and he said I'm an accountant and I just burst out laughing not that accountancy is bad but that was so opposite the nature of this guy you know um and I was like oh, sorry I'm, I didn't mean to laugh at you dude but like I just <laughs> I expected you to say design. And he was like, "Actually, that's really funny because I love design. I really love doing it." But, you know, I thought I needed some balance in my life, you know? Got to put food on the table, you know? It's life's supposed to be hard. It's 9 to 5. You what you know, you got to work and then you dabble. You dabble in your your passions and your spare time, you know? Why is why is that the way we think? And and I keep coming across this. I mean, so many dudes actually are I just finished God I God put the 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 gift of directing in me film directing and I more than anything I love telling stories and I pursued that and I just finished my latest music video and the guy that did all the visual effects on it really cool dude Andrew he um he had just finished like a whole degree in engineering like super intelligent guy and he like he did all these effects in like less than a week like and it was extreme like in in post production terms it was it was quite a lot like he had to make little model planes fly and he's been this year he's taken specifically because he was like I, actually I'm not an engineer I did that to actually please my parents I did that because that was was expected of me you know and he's rolling in in this new field because he's so he loves it so much that he's giving so much more time to it like he doesn't mind staying up till 2 in the morning doing tutorials online going how do I make a plane fly how do I get the motion how do I put cloud in front of that plane he's a creative you know So when you love the thing you do, you automatically progress really quickly. I mean, guys are trying to hire this guy now. He hasn't even got a degree in it. He's just been interning with a couple of guys who run a, a post-production house in Cape Town and and the guys are like, "I want to hire this guy." There's an automatically favor on you. Like it doesn't matter what your parents say in this field. I mean, sometimes it doesn't matter what your parents say, but there's this thing yeah, yeah. people of your parents sometimes might go you know what god says he says you got to honor your mother and father and that's true okay but honoring doesn't necessarily mean doing exactly what they say 
And this, I'm not, I'm not talking in the field of obviously, oh, Dad, I'm going to go out tonight. I'm, I'm going to get plastered, and I don't know. I'll just see what happens. Obviously, I mean, I'm talking, I'm, ta I'm talking specifically here. When you have God inside you, and He has put things inside of you, sometimes there's this, there's this struggle for your independence with your parents because they love you and they think they know what's best for you sometimes, you know. And they're just trying to do their best, and, and you've got to stand your ground. You know, it, it, there's, you've got to go head to head. It's sharpening. You've got to be like, no, I, I love you. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm graciously going to bring you into the process that God is, is doing in me. Like, this is how I feel. I'm trying to make you understand. No, kid, you've got to go do accounting. No, Dad, I, I want to be a, a writer. No, kid, you've got to go be an engineer. No, let me explain this to you. Let me explain the things that God has put inside of me. Let me explain to you how good I feel when I do it, you know? And um, there's this really cool guy called Ken Robson that sort of Ty and I have been reading. He's, you can go, like, if you, I don't know if you've heard of TED Talks, but he's just really interesting to watch. He does these cool YouTube clips on this kind of stuff. Um, and he talks about how um, when you operate in the thing, the gift inside of you, that you automatically flow, and you, you're in this place called the elements. And I know this for myself because when I am directing or creating or thinking visually, I don't even see time pass. It's work, but it's actually not work. It's like I'm communing directly with the Spirit of God. I'm communing directly with the thing that's inside of me. It's, it's moving. It's alive. It's, and he calls this the element, you know. And a lot of, he studies a lot of great artists in various fields, whether it's um, music or or visual fields, he also goes into scientists who have creatively innovated their field. And um, all the studies he's done on these guys, is they all say the same thing. They're like, honestly, this isn't even work for me. This isn't work. It's, it's just pure passion living out itself. Um, yeah, and there's, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of strange what's sort of happened in a church context over the past 2,000 years, because... Before, a hundred years ago, in terms of the arts, we were the forerunners. Um, think of all the great artists you know of, the guys you would travel across the world to see. They were all Christians, all of them. Michelangelo, Da Vinci, Donatello, Rembrandt, Vermeer, Bach, Mendelssohn, Shakespeare. It goes on and on and on. And they were the greats. When people talk about the greats, they're talking about those guys. And their studies, all of these guys, and they've written accounts of their processes and stuff. They all love Jesus, you know? And um, something happened in the church that pushed the arts down. It became less spiritual to be an artist. And it happened about 100 years ago when, when um, I'm not going to go into like the historical detail, where the church separated the spiritual from the secular. So... Um, what people were thinking were, it was all about outcomes. So it was like the arts, politics, media, and medical ethics all got pushed into the basement of the church in some dusty, dusty box that probably had permanent marker that said useless on it. And the, the interesting thing is that all those fields are um, the most influential fields in culture. All of those fields. So it became outcomes-based. It was like, if we can't quantify what you're doing, then it's not important to us. And this kind of filtered in from what was happening in society as well. It sort of came into the, the way the church was thinking, you know. So, and I see this all the time. Like, the other day I, I was di directing this video 
and I missed a church meeting. And one of my friends was like, where were you? I was like, oh, I was directing. She was like, Jen, bro, you got to start prioritizing, eh? You got to prioritize. And I was like, look, dude, I am prioritizing. You understand? I wouldn't miss that for the freaking world. You can have the best preachers in the world up here. I wouldn't miss a day of directing for anything because I'm in my element. I'm operating in the thing that God put inside of me. You know, and so we kind of also have this idea like if when Christ's mandate is like go out and, and do good works, go out and disciple the nation. And for some reason, because of this sort of segregation between what's spiritual and what's not 100 years ago, there are um, sort of ways you can do that. It's like th this is your mandate, and a lot of the churches go, all right, cool, well, this is how you outplay it. You've got to come join kids men. You've got to um, maybe come to our witnessing week. You've got, and none, of these, none of this stuff is bad, but it's, it's closed it down. It's closed it down into boxes going, this is where God plays out his story. And that wasn't true up until 100 years ago. Um, where's that verse? It's in Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Whatever you do, whatever you do, wherever you are, God is with you. Hey. Are they really? <laughs> that's, really that's really fast, bro. Nice one. Um... <laughs> so I just kind of want to um, speak into to what, um, what God says about the arts, all right? And in Exodus 31, uh, then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and have, I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, ability, and knowledge in all kinds of crafts, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze. And it goes on about exactly what they have to do. It's like extreme design, designing the tabernacle. Okay, but I have filled him with the Spirit of God. I just want to stop on that. He, God had to purposely fill these artists who had natural talent with the Spirit of God in order to do the work. Why, if, if art was mundane, if it's just an indulgence, if it's not spiritual, why the hell would God need to fill them with the Spirit in order to do it properly? Why would he need to do that? Then it goes on to say, so he's filled them with the Spirit to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, and da-da-da-da-da. So we go to Ephesians 2.10. Just hold that thought. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So if God is just called designing in bronze, gold, and, and doing craftsmanship work, and our mandate is Christ has, created, Christ has created us to do good works, then effectively what he's saying is that your art is anointed enough. Your art is powerful enough. Your art is important to God. Your art changes lives. Um, there's this really cool story of these two young preachers during the Reformation and like, I don't know how much you know about it, but things were changing in the Reformation and, and people had been awakened to their individual relationship with God. It wasn't about, like, the clergy and all their money because they were worried about wealth and land ownership and, like, people weren't viewed as individuals, which is a bit strange to try and get your head around that now. But before the Reformation and the Renaissance, people were viewed as just sort of like a clump of people. 
You know, there was no personalized sort of walk with them. So people were awakened to this. Also, the printing press comes out, right, which means that everybody has their own Bible. So they start reading the word for themselves. God starts awakening stuff in them individually, going, I love you. I put stuff in you. Your personality, your importance, you're individual to me. You're specific. You're special. And they start going, this is nothing like what we're seeing in terms of the clergy at the time. All right? So there's this rebirth in the church, an awakening, which, like I said, God is ushering in the creative across the world. He ushered in the reformation across the world as well. It changed the face of the church entirely. Entirely. So um, these two young dudes in that period go into a town and they're like, um, start preaching the gospel, and they're like, no, no, you got, listen, seriously, the clergy's got it all wrong. You don't have to pay every last penny you have at the bottom of your pockets. You don't have to get into your knees every day. You don't have to do, do, do. It's not all about just trying to get through this life in order to get your eternal bliss. God is personal. He wants a relationship with you. And guys were like, look, um, you better stop talking about this. Um, some, some people are getting upset in the town. Um, it was a life or death situation. Okay, They didn't really have didn't really have much of a choice, so they decided to stop talking. But they were both artists. And one of them painted a portrait of the Pope, lavish, just, just like opulence, like dripping with gold, velvet, decadence, over the top, which is, what, which is what the church looked like at the time. It was over the freaking top. Huge divide. Clergy was extremely rich. They were almost seen as the monarchy. And the congregation were serfs. They were poor, they were barely scraping through. Okay, so he paints this picture of the Pope, then he uh, paints the picture of, the other dude paints a portrait of Christ. Simple, pure, barren sort of landscape, neutral colors, Jesus just in his white robe. That's it, standing there. And they put those two pictures side to side outside the town, so when people were coming in and out, they saw, that, they saw the juxtaposition. They understood what they were trying to communicate through their art. They looked at the Pope, they looked at Christ. They looked at the Pope, they looked at Christ, and they were like, holy crap, something's wrong. And it changed. It changed the mentality in that town. Art changes things. Tao also told me a great story about how, um, I'm going to use your elbows on the table story, but um, do any of you know why your parents... Always say, don't put your elbows on the table. Do you guys know that happens, right? Do you know that thing? Or am I just... Yeah, you know this thing, right? It's like rude. It's, un, it's not, not good table etiquette. Well, in the Last Supper, painted by Da Vinci, the only man with his elbows on the table was Judas Iscariot. So that is filtered all the way through culture, carried through, and it's in our homes. That is how powerful art is. That is how powerful it is. It is insane, eh? It's mental. And I just kind of feel like, yeah, I mean, with the Renaissance guys and the Reformation guys and all the greats, they really were the leaders in their field. Um, and they informed culture. And nowadays, I just, there's been this, because of the separation between what's spiritual and what's secular, you know you get guys going, I don't listen to secular music. What does that even mean? You know, people say that. I don't listen to secular music. And in our minds, we somehow go, um, I walk out of the church, and in my life, that's one thing. 
But when I'm in the church, that's my spiritual life. When I'm in my home group, when I'm... And they're not two separate things. God has redeemed the whole of creation, or he has redeemed none. It is the whole thing. And um, you can see the, ch- the, the, the church has lost the grip of being important culturally in the world because of the separation. And I think God wants to get that back. I think God is he's going to rebirth artists. It's going to be a new renaissance. It's going to be a new reformation. It's going to... Because when God moves and, and awakens hearts to who they really are, like the reformation, I'm a son, I'm a daughter, I'm free, I'm free, it's okay. It's okay that I'm working through stuff. I don't have to strive. I just have to be. I just have to, I just have to be loved and love. When he does that to hearts, things change. People get empowered because they know who they are, and then nothing can stop them. And then you have, after the Reformation, is the greatest influx of artists that ever were. It went absolutely crazy because people were finally realizing that they were important to God, that the things inside them were put there for a reason. They don't have to go somewhere else to get stuff to put inside them. What is in there is good. He knitted you together. He has a plan for you. Why would he, put, why would he make you desire to create if he wanted you to go be an engineer? Why would he do that? So I think, yeah, I just, I, I really feel like, like God's going to move in this, this field. We're going to take it back, you know? We are going to take it back and we're going to operate and we're going to be, we are going to set the bar. You know, because, <laughs> let me read this, this it's a little bit, a little bit of a tough, uh, where did I put it? Book. Oh, yeah. This guy called Frankie Schaefer, he's been like, he's a good theologian that writes about Frankie. This is is what he says about um, the state of arts and church today. (laughs) It's kind of hard-hitting, but it's, it's good. Today, Christian endeavor in the arts is typified by the contents of your local Christian bookstore accessory paraphernalia shop. For the coffee table, we have a set of praying hands made out of some sort of pressed muck. Christian posters are ready to adorn your walls with suitable Christian graffiti to sanctify them and make them a justifiable expense. Perhaps a little plastic cube with a mustard seed entombed within to boost your understanding of faith. And as if, and as if this were not enough, a toothbrush with a Bible verse stamped on a plastic handle. Um, a comb with a Christian slogan or two impressed on it. On a flimsy rack are stacked a pile of records. You may choose them at random, blindfolded, for most of them will be the same idle rehash of acceptable spiritual slogans. (laughs) Endlessly recycled as pablum for the tone-deaf, television-softened brains of our our present-day Christians. That is kind of the (laughs) state. Because it's like that because people haven't been empowered or felt at ease to operate in their gifts. They went and did something more sensible and um, now they dabble in the arts once a month, on Sundays maybe. So they haven't pushed into their gift. They haven't put time into that. They haven't strived to, to, to bring out the excellence of their gift. Learn, write, rewrite, rewrite, no, throw it out, let's go. They haven't done that. So whenever I see art, Christian art, I don't even know, why we are, I don't even know why, what's the difference between Christian art and art. Everything belongs to God. I, it's superficial. 
It's watercolors, the same old watercolor of a crucifix, you know, the portrait of Jesus, meek and mild. And that's beautiful, but it's actually not, you know. It's a stereotype. You're not drawing people into, I mean, would somebody travel across the world to see your watercolor of a crucifix? No. People go to Florence all the time. Just, just stand in front of the statue of David and marvel. And that, that engages them into an act of worship. It, it unlocks stuff, art. You know, um, Christ himself. <laughs> I got a bit hard there. I'm sorry. I was laughing. Christ himself used art to explain the kingdom. A parable is story, and story is art. It's creativity. You know, imagine he went, like, instead of the, 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 the parable of the pearl in the field, you know? Man sells the whole field, uh, everything he owns to buy that field because of the pearl inside of it, okay? Imagine Christ went, yeah, like, the kingdom's really important, and, um, yeah, you should probably, like, you should probably come to terms with it and get that in your life. I mean, that's just stating the facts. That's stating the facts of that story. But when you, tell, when you express it creatively through art, where you, un you open up the mystery of the kingdom. You're not saying exactly what it is, but you're pointing at it. You're leading people into it. And that engages seeking. Because when you, when you open up art, people go, what is this? I get the meaning, but I don't get it. And then you open up a big door for the Holy Spirit to come inside and search the heart of a man. And that is what art does. Yeah, so I don't even know where I'm just I'm completely out of order here. <laughs> Shot guys. Um Yeah, there's this um there's also this sort of lie going around that you can't make a living in the arts. You know, I don't know I don't know where that came from. The, the greats, the guys that were operating and and pushing in Lavish, absolutely lavish lives, completely taken care of. And when God says, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and all these things will follow and be given to you, well, if you're an artist and your talent, your given talent is a creative gift, you seeking the kingdom is also seeking the treasures inside of yourself. All those things will follow. I told you the story about the guy, Andrew, who's now three months in, he stepped into this. He's like, actually, I'm not an engineer. I'm this guy. And it's just opened. There is automatically favor on that. Automatically. That's how God is. I, I mean, I can't even, I've got so many stories in my own life of this happening. Even um, Ty's wife, Lydia, she recently realized <laughs> a few months ago we watched Coco Chanel, the movie. It was like late at night. And I was like, Lyd, this movie's going to change your life. She watched this movie. And before she was like, you know, she didn't really, she didn't know like exactly what she wanted to do and what, what, what sort of impassioned her what, her, what got her excited. And after watching this movie, she was just like, it was two in the morning or something, she went downstairs, she's like, baby, waking up Tyron, baby, I know what I want to be. I want to I go into fashion. I love fashion. You should have seen this movie, Coco Chanel. The story of Coco Chanel is amazing. I want to do this. Tyron's like, yeah, baby, I'm, I'm sleeping, you know? Like, just go. But uh, like, now that she, she realizes that, she, it's not like it just falls on, your, falls on your lap, but you're empowered to, so like, you know what you want. 
you go out there, you're talking to people, she's researching, she's learning, she's trying to understand, like, how do I get further in this thing? And I don't know, I mean, literally, and not out of nowhere, but God, like, this guy who's a, who has a fashion buying company has just employed her. She doesn't even have a degree in the thing, but she's got so much passion, she's ready to learn. And like, I mean, that's amazing. As soon as you walk in the thing that God put in you, I promise you he takes care of you. I promise you. I don't promise you. He promises you. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't let that stuff. There's a story of a guy that this guy, Ken Robson, talks about who's a little Swedish boy. I don't know if that's how they talk, but <laughs> he, um, he used to make little, little wooden soldiers and paint them. He was like, I just, want to make, <laughs> I just want to make these soldiers all my life. Everyone was like, bro, you, you can't make little wooden soldiers. That's ridiculous. You, you need to like, support a family. You need to put food on the table. You better go out and, and you better get yourself a real job. And he just stuck by it. He's like, no, I love my little soldiers. And he, he painted them. And now this dude is a, he's a multi-millionaire because of the soldiers. Like, it doesn't matter like, if people don't get it, if maybe your parents don't get it. It's okay because God has put it inside of you. He will open it up, I promise you. <laughs> you take a little soldiers. It's so ridiculous. Um, <laughs> there's also, um, in, the, in, the, in that hundred years of, of sort of the art being relegated to the basement, there's been a few uh, important artists that are Christians that have come out, uh, which is, for example, C.S. Lewis. It's off the chain. Uh, Tolkien, Lord of the Rings, off the chain. It's like unbelievable. It's like a whole new level. Um, and the reason, actually, that they sort of emerged as great artists is because they came out of a secular world before they became Christians. So they were already in their fields, and they knew what the bar was. They knew what was expected of them. They knew how hard to push. They had already succumbed to the gift inside of them. So when they entered the church, it couldn't be talked out of them. And even so, look at them. Unbelievable. We are... <laughs> We carry the Spirit of God inside of us, the creator of the universe. There's a guy called Eric Whitaker. He's a contemporary composer, and he, he deals with um, harmonics, choirs, okay? He's an international bestseller. He's the most performed composer in the world today. This man is a Christian. He doesn't go around going, I make Christian music. He just is. He just creates. And um, he... Uh, I mean, after how many millennia of music being around, this guy has created, the thing he's famous for, aside from these beautiful harmonic pieces, is he created a new note. Can you believe that? It's called the glimmer note. In a moment of inspiration, which I like to call the Holy Spirit, he, he took two notes that were in contrast to each other. Like if you sang those notes alongside each other, there, it, would, it would be discord, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be harmonic. And he, he harmoniously blended the notes, he blended the, the notes at a certain rhythmic timing that is called, now called the glimmer note. And people call it the glimmer note because they say it sounds like, it, it actually makes the cilia in your ear move more than other notes. It, 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 it reflects faster, it goes. And it feels like you're looking at shimmering water or light reflecting off snow. It's <laughs> hilarious. Imagine. I don't have a good voice. 
but I mean, this is era, this is 2000 and 2008. Well, he actually earlier 2000s he created it. But there's so much more. There's, there's just God. I mean, if you operate and you have God inside of you, oh my, you will be the top of your field. You will invent new notes. People will turn your your trilogy Narnia or the Lord of the Rings into films. People will be like, what is this? This is so good. What are the secrets here? This mystery. It's deep. Because you carry the Spirit of God. Boom. <laughs> yeah, so... Thanks, guys. This is really encouraging. <laughs> I, think, I think I'm pretty much done, actually. Like, yeah, just operate. Eh? Just, be, just be who you are. Just... Yeah, and, and defend it. I know things come against it. I know what it's like. Even people that you trust, they think they know what's better for you, you know? But you, you've got God inside of you, and you commune with him, and you're free. You know, just, just be. Just be exactly the thing that he has made you to be, because you will excel beyond comprehension. Amen. Okay, um, yeah, okay, cool. I'm going to pray for you guys. Is that cool? Yeah, Jesus, you're so freaking careful. We just love you, Dad. We love what you're doing, Dad. We, we, we accept and we honor and we love the things you've put inside of us, Lord. We're grateful for those things, Lord. We thank you that in front of you and with you and you in us, that we are whole and everything we need is inside of us, Lord. Everything. Thank you that there's treasures in us, Father. Thank you that you have a purpose for us, Jesus. Thank you that you created us to excel. We are supposed to stand apart. You've, you've, you've set us apart, Lord. You've set us apart, Jesus. And I just, I just thank you that we just kind of... Yeah, Lord, I, I just speak, I speak the revelation and the courage over everybody here today to just be who they are, Lord. To just, just be that thing. To be okay with it, to be whole in it. So Holy Spirit, just yeah, just do just do what you do and and search the hearts of your sons and daughters here and just reveal stuff. Just reveal. We love you so much, Lord. Jeez. It's without you, none of this, Lord. We love you, Lord. <laughs>